You're tuned into the Chug LLP's podcast. We are a full-service legal, immigration, and tax firm with a global outlook. We partner with businesses to deliver innovative, customized solutions to their most pressing challenges. Join us as we tackle some pertinent issues. The big tech layoffs have dropped the world for visa holders. You know, since the beginning of this year, there have been more than 200,000 tech layoffs. 200,000. That's a huge number. And majority of these people who've been laid off are those on work visas. Now, you know, the world of work visas is not as uncomplicated or as easy as you may think. It's not just as easy as looking for another job and that's it. Go on with your life. That doesn't happen with uh, those on work visas. Their entire life is at stake because all they get is 60 days grace period. So imagine this particular market that we are in. It's a very volatile market as we know it. There are thousands vying for the same job. And in this competitive market for the work visa holder to not only find a job, but also maintain their visa status, it's a humongous task. My heart goes out to them. And this is exactly why we will be talking about H-1B or the work visa layoffs. What are the options? What are the suggestions? We will also be talking about the February visa bulletin and few other updates in the world of immigration. Hello and welcome. My name is Neha Mahajan. I'm the business development and outreach manager here at Chuk LLP attorneys and CPAs. And please welcome me in joining our attorney from our Edison office, Supnani Kelkar. Hi there, Supnani. Welcome. Hey, hi Neha. It's always a pleasure to be with you over here. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be discussing this topic with you, Swapnali. But before I uh, start the conversation today, just want to tell you guys that the discussion today is only for informational purposes. It does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have any specific questions, please send them to us, info at chuk.com. That's I-N-F-O at C-H-U-G-H dot com. So, Sopnali, I'd like for you to begin with the latest update in the world of immigration. It's only January 26th today, and there's just so much that has happened already in the last 20, 25 days, right? So, I want you to go into all of those very quickly so that we can then continue on our main topic. Yeah, sure, sure, Neha. And so, as you said, like, you know, there is much happening right now in the immigration phase. So I'm not going to touch base on all the different different updates we have been receiving, but the few updates which most of our audience is interested to the first, I will say the most welcoming update which we have is USCIS starting from Jan 25th. We'll be bundling up the adjudication of I-539 and 765 applications for H-4 and L-2 dependents, which is a nightmare for them, like, you know, during the COVID time, it's taking more than eight or nine months for the H-4 dependents to get their extensions approved or to get their EADs approved. So now these applications will be adjudicated along with the underlying H-1B holders I-129 petition, irrespective of whether it is filed under premium processing or filed under regular processing. The only requirement is these applications has to be filed along with the I-129 petition and the applications has to be filed timely. Though this is a welcoming update, there is a caveat to it and uh, this particular rule will be in place for the next two years. So I am hoping that after those two years, 
the premium processing will be available for these H4 extensions and these H4 EADs and N2 EADs. So that's the first update, which is the welcoming update. Yeah, well, USCIS wants to make money to keep it running. So <laughs> I guess that's what they want to do. Or the premium processing that was introduced, the idea was introduced last year. They want to implement it going forward. And I guess that's why this particular change, the settlement that was brought in the case for work authorization holders, the dependent of work authorization holders is only valid for two years. Yeah, I mean, that's why I said like it's welcoming and I'm hoping that uh, the premium processing for these applications we will get after two years. Another update is for the green card holders, like the conditional permanent resident green card holders. So USCIS has extended their validity to 48 months from the expiration of the card if the I-751 and the A-29 applications are pending. So that is also a welcoming update. Another welcoming update, I would say the premium processing so going forward from Jan 38, 2023, premium processing will be available for all the EB1 petitions, irrespective whether those are new, whether they are pending already. So premium processing will be available for all types of EB1 petitions. Though this is welcoming, unfortunately, if we look at the visa bulletin, the EB1 final action dates, so those got retrogressed, right? So the dream of not applying for the green card application is again postponed, or I would say it's it's again delayed. So people will still have to wait for some more time for their dates to get current and all that. So that's a little bit unpleasant <laughs> experience for all of those who have a dream of applying under EB1 because previously the dates for India were current, but now they will have to wait for some more time for it. One more unpleasant experience, most probably we all will have to face is about the fee increase. So there is a proposed rule about the fee increase. If you see the fees are increasing from around, I would say like around 20% to 200%, we can see like, you know, wide varieties of fee increases. And the major fee increase which we can experience in is the cap registration. So initially, the cap registration filing fee was just $10. And I think USS now it's proposing to around 215 or something, which is enormous. So in the midst of layoff and this fee increase, we don't know how the cap season will be for this year. Though this is just a proposed rule, it's still open for the public comments and the public comment period will be closing around March 6. But so I'm expecting that it may not impact the registrations, but probably it might impact the actual cap filings because since 2016, there is no change in the fees. So we can expect that uh, this proposal might become effective this year. Yeah. So yeah. this is all I would I'll say, like, you know, this is all about the immigration updates. Right. Thank you. And about the cap season, we will be talking about the cap season in an upcoming episode. And we will be talking about how to prepare with all these unforeseen changes that have come into picture, right? How to prepare for the upcoming cap season. So please watch out. Attorney Kilkar, I would love to dive right into the topic of the tech layoffs. I would like to mention again, 200,000 people were laid off in just this month, since the beginning of the year. And majority of those are on some sort of a work visa, either H-1B or L-1 or others. And many of these could have been living in the country for way over a decade had it not been for the massive backlogs, right? The green card backlogs. So one question that's on everybody's mind is what options do they have? How do they save their visa status? 
great question. And the year had started with a very bad note, I would say. I have been seeing few of my friends even uh, getting laid off and all that and asking me the same questions like, what are the options available to us? The, the first thing I will say, once the worker is laid off, immediately he is not uh, getting out of status. There is a 60 days grace period allowed upon the termination of the employment by the MSS regulations. Now the rule says, and I think most commonly it is said that in, upon the termination of the employment, the, the worker can still maintain his status and can still be in the United States for 60 days grace period. Now there is a little caveat over here. We have to be mindful that the there is a 60 days period which is allowed, but it's not just the 60 days period. The rule says that once there is a cessation of employment, the employee can be in United States for a period of 60 days or until the validity of its I-94. So again, going back, the employee should see what is his current status and what is the validity of his current status. So for example, if someone gets laid off and if his current status, he is in h one and if his current status is valid only for next 54 days, then he is not entitled for the 60-day grace period. So whichever is shorter, either the 60 days grace period or whatever is the authorized validity period for that particular employee, whichever is shorter, that prevails. So it's not straightforward 60 days. You have to be mindful about your current status and what is the validity date when your current status is ending. And if it's ending before the 60 days grace period, then you have only those many days, as I just explained. If, if your current status is valid only for next 54 days, then probably you will be, you can remain in United States for next 54 days. Well, that's now gray area in, in the world of immigration. That's the gray area in law. Clearly see 60 days, but then there are these subcategories that you must qualify for, right? So there's no blanket 60 day grace period, really. Yes. I'm saying like there is no blanket 60 days grace period. So once you get laid off, the first and foremost thing you should do is check your I-94. Check the validity of your current status. And then you can proceed with the further options, which I'm going to narrate right now. The first option available for such an employee is the job portability. So what he can do, like within that 60 days period or whatever period is available to him, he can try to find a new employer who can sponsor for him. And then once the petition is filed within this 60 days of grace period, the employee doesn't need to wait till the approval of the petition the employee can start working for the new employer directly as soon as the petition reaches out to USCS. So I will say like what is the most important thing is you have to file your case, you have to file the petition within 60 days grace period. If your joining is getting postponed or if you are joining beyond 60 days, I would say like that's fine. But make sure to file the petition for the change of employer within the period of 60 days or within that grace period. So that is the most important thing which everyone needs to keep it in. Now, I completely understand that with the current scene when so many layoffs are happening all around, it's really difficult to find a new job. And there is one suggestion over here, like, you know, if the employer is doing these layoffs, maybe because of insufficiency of work or insufficient of funds or something, but if employers can offer their employees Instead of a full-time employment or part-time employment, they should go for it. 
we can file an amendment petition and then like you know we can change the terms and employment or we can change the terms and conditions of the employment of their employees and then they can have the employees on their payroll the only difference would be instead of working full-time they will be working part-time that way they can cut down on being laying off like you know so this is just a suggestion for the employers if they can do so they can reconsider their decision of laying off the people instead they can like you know hire them as a part-time employee but uh, the first option as i said for all such employees is to find a new employer now unfortunately if you're not able to find a new employer there is another option available which is changing the status so such employees can change their status to any non-immigrant classification such as b1 b2 f1 tr e2 e3 whichever is possible for them now not all these non-immigrant classifications to which you can change your status have work visas or have work authorizations so first maybe you can try for such classifications and if you cannot and if your spouses are holding any such classifications like if you if for example the the worker who got laid off but his spouse is having an h1b then in that case you can think of or changing its status to a dependent non-immigrant status such as h4 or l2 and if uh, the spouse has the i1 body approved then he can also apply for the h4 eid or n2 status also even though it's a dependent non-immigrant status still it has a work authorization so this is an another option i will say for the employee see if he can go for change of status which whatever status is suitable to him he can go for it now once the change of status application is filed within 60 days period the person is authorized to stay in us so he is not holding any status at such but he is in the authorized period of stay and the person will not be accruing any unlawful presence after 60 days till the change of status application is getting adjudicated now if unfortunately the change of status application is denied thereafter from the date it is denied the person will start accruing the unlawful presence but till the entire period of its adjudication process the person is not accruing unlawful presence but he is within the authorized period of stay so that is another thing which everyone can keep it in the next option available is filing for adjustment of status now if you are eligible to file for a self sponsored immigrant visa petition okay such as we have two categories like eb1 extraordinary ability or eb2 national interest and we were all when the third one is under investor visa eb5 so if you can self petition your immigrant visa petition i would recommend to do that and also file the adjustment of status application concurrently because once you file adjustment of application being the beneficiary of the pending adjustment of status application you can authorizedly stay within the united states you can also apply for the eading you can get the work authorization and thereafter you can you can even work in the united states so this is another option i will say is available for such people when more option available for those who already have their adjustment of status application pending and if during the pendency of their adjustment of status application if they were laid off then what is it going to prejudice their adjustment of status application i'll say no they still have an opportunity to find a new job but there is again a caveat provided that 
they have the approved I-140 and that I-140 is not revoked or withdrawn and that I-140 is approved at least for 180 days or more than that. And at the same time, their adjustment of status application, like the 485 application is also pending for at least 180 days or more than that. If both these conditions are met, then in that case, such applicants, adjustment of status application, uh, applicants can find a new employer and they can port their employment to such new employer. So this is, I will say, another opportunity for adjustment of status applicants to find a new job and like, you know, to retain their priority date and to continue with their pre-cap process. There are some good points. Yeah, these are some really, really great points. Uh, so, Nali, I mean, it definitely gives a lot of hope for, uh, you know, everybody who's watching, everybody who's been impacted or everybody who knows someone who's been impacted. You know, we all have that someone in our circles, right? I want you to finish your thought and I want to ask you the second question, and which is what happens to the spouses during the grace period? That's one question, but I want you to finish your thought first. Yeah, the the only last thing what I was about to say is like, if none of these options work for you, unfortunately, then the only option available to you is depart. And you will have to depart the United States by the end of the grace period. And don't overstay because then you will start accruing unnavoid presence. And if you are on H1B or in O1 visa status, then it is the duty of your employer to provide you the cost for the return transportation. So they can provide you the return tickets. I mean, they should provide you the return tickets. I would say like, let's hope that this is the last option, which you will not be availing and you will get, you will be able to find out some of the other options. Now, coming back to your questions, like, you know, what happens to the spouses? Now, as I said, like, you know, the, the 60 days rule, like 60 days grace period rule, yeah. considers that the person is maintaining the status. Right. Now, all the dependent spouses, immigration status is always attached to the principal holder's immigration status. That's why I will say, even though the rule hasn't specifically mentioned, but we can interpret it in a way, like if the 60 day grace period is considering that the H1B principal holder is maintaining its status for the those 60 days period, definitely then the H4 spouse is also maintaining the same status for that grace period. And if, if the H4 a spouse is having H4 EAD, I'll say that the the spouse should also be entitled to work at least for those 60 days. Okay. Because USAS is considering that the, the employee is maintaining the status. And that's why I think the remedy or the option to change the status is also allotted. Because unless and until you hold some kind of an immigration status, you right. cannot apply for change of status. So when you are considering that for those 60 days period, the person is maintaining the status, definitely the spouses are also maintaining their status. For right. The 60-day grace period is directly linked to the I-94. So what if a person's I-94 has already expired and they were just laid off? What happens to their grace period then? Unfortunately, if such things happen, they are not entitled for this grace period. Okay. The 60-day grace period is available only if you are in a valid status, if you have an authorized valid period for you. So for example, if there is someone who is in H1B status and his extension is pending with USCIS, his I-94 is already expired. So currently he is not in a valid authorized period, but he is only in an authorized period of stay. So if you are in authorized period of stay, then you're not entitled for over 60 days. 
And that's why when I started my conversation, I said like, you know, before yeah, you opt for any of these options, first go and check your IMIT. So unfortunately, these people cannot avail with 60 days grace period. And they will have just 10 days grace period to depart the bank. Okay, that's really sad. I want to ask, ask you about the compelling, the whole compelling situation that you have to prove to USCIS to get an EAD. I know you've briefly touched upon it, but I want you to go into a little detail and tell us this is a compelling circumstance. The layoff is out of control from the employee perspective, right? It's not the decision of an employee to get laid off. So is USCIS considering this particular tech layoff wave, if I may call it, as a compelling circumstance? And then can someone apply for an EAD based on just that? And the tricky part is not getting the EAD, but how to maintain it. And what happens when you lose that EAD for not qualifying enough to get the compelling circumstance EAD in the first place? So uh, the compelling EAD is available for those who already have an I-140 approved for that. So that's the condition, I would say, like the, the first condition which the applicant will have to make, like, you know, he needs to have an approved I-140 petition for him. The other requirement for this is, even though you have an I-140 approved, your priority date should not be current, meaning thereby the immigrant visa should not be immediately available to such an applicant who is applying for the EAD under compelling circumstances. Now, if the applicant meets these conditions, then yes, he can apply for the EAD under compelling circumstances. Now, as you said, like, you know, just because I got laid off, am I entitled to apply or can this be a basis for my EAD under accompanying circumstances? I must say, just because you got laid off uh, will not be sufficient to be considered as accompanying circumstances. You have to show what type of hardship, basically, you are facing because of this layoff. It might be financial hardship or maybe, like, you know, you have some medical conditions for your dependents and now you cannot pay for it or something like that, right? So it's not just because I got laid off now, I'm entitled, I'm eligible, my one foot is approved, okay, immigrant visa is not available, let's go apply for EAD and my EAD is approved. No, I don't think so, it's going to happen like that. But you have to prove beyond, beyond that laid off and you just have to prove what type of hardships, severe hardships you are facing. That is the, I would say, the, the basic requirement. The another uh, hiccup in this is once you apply for such an EAD, you're not maintaining any non-immigrant status as such. So you will not be in any valid status, but you will be staying in the United States and that stay is just an authorized stay. So unfortunately, if your EAD is denied, then in that case, you will not be having any non-immigrant status in which you can continue staying in the United States. And in that case, probably you will have to depart the United States immediately because just applying under uh, EAD based on the I-140 doesn't give you any type of non-immigrant status. So during this period, you're not maintaining any of the non-immigrant status. So before you apply under apply for such type of EAD, just be mindful of that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for explaining it. Uh, so the question is, my son, age 11, and I, both on expired H4 visa, need to travel to India to attend a, an important family event in February. In 2022, we scheduled our uh, consular appointment in India during the second week of February of 2023. My husband was laid off from work and is on 60-day notice period till March. We need your assistance in helping us understand how to go about the situation. Is it advisable for us to go ahead and attend the H-4 visa interview considering the layoff scenario? We are not sure if 
we should be using their AB to enter the US and skip the visa interview totally? Also, is there a way for us to go back to it for status once we come back to US using AB? I would really appreciate if you can help. This is a little confusing question. So seems like there are two elements to this. Mm -hmm. One, the H4 is expired. Second, they have EAD AB. Right. So if she has um, EAD and AB, probably she will be able to come back. But regarding maintaining her status, because her husband, the H1B principal holder is being laid off. And I think what I understood from the question, currently he is in India, right? The husband. I think the husband's here. If the husband is here, then as I said, he is within his 60 days grace period and he can definitely uh, look for another employer and he can force uh, his employment. I don't know how long their adjustment application is pending as we have also discussed that because since you said like, you know, she has approved EAD and AP, meaning thereby they must be having the 485 application pending. So if their 485 application is pending for more than 180 days, definitely we can apply for a new job, he can post his employment to a new employer and still his adjustment of status application can continue its adjudication. So I don't see any need for them to be on H4. If he's not able to procure any new employment, like not during the 60 days, but since I don't know, like, you know, whether the adjustment of status application is pending for more than 180 days, I cannot comment on that. But if it is, then definitely they can look for another employment. All right. There's another question coming in. I was in India for an emergency and got laid off from a US-based MNC. My wife is still in US. Will I be able to come back to US and settle down my stuff? My stamped visa is valid for next three to four months. What are the possibilities? Can my wife stay in US for 60 days grace period or should she leave immediately? I would say if he has been laid off, there is a possibility that though that his employer might have submitted the revocation of his H-1B petition. Because if the employer is not submitted, then he is obligated with all the H-1B employer obligations pertaining to that employer. So usually whenever the employer does any, any such layoffs, they will submit the revocation petition. Now, if such a revocation has already been submitted with the investment, then definitely he cannot, then he doesn't have any valid job offered for him. So uh, I don't think he'd be able to come back unless and until he had some other H-1B valid petition approved. Till then, he, he cannot come back. Now, considering her, her wife, I don't know how long he's been away from United States. Like for short trips, if the h one principal holder is outside United States, that's fine. But if he is being outside United States for a longer period of time, then I don't think the H-4 dependent spouse is maintaining her status. So I will uh, recommend that. She should depart since he's already laid off. He doesn't have any valid job offer for him by, by my, any employer. So unless and until he, he files something within those 60 days period for himself, still I will say like, you know, since he's outside the U.S., that, that, that still be considered as a consular person. So the best way to maintain like, you know, and not to occur any unlawful presence, I will recommend her to be as soon as possible because there is no way he will be coming back to U.S. any sooner. Hi. Thank you for that advice, Vabdali. So, you know, I think a lot of times confusion comes from the fact people just fail to realize that H-1B is only valid while they are on U.S. soil. It is not valid when you are in India, right? It, and that's the gray area because you are, case in point, this Indian citizen asked you a question that will my wife have the H-4 status or not? That's the gray area in the law. But 
when the primary H1B visa holder is outside of US, so there is absolutely no validation of the H1B visa holder in that sense. Am I right? Yeah, I would say, see, any immigration status is attached to you know, once you are in the US. As soon as you step out of US, I will not say like, you know, that it's someone who is in India in H1B status. Yeah. Okay. He will be the beneficiary of that approved petition, but we cannot say like, you know, once you step out of US, you are not carrying any any US immigration status with you. And uh, yeah. that is what I meant when I said like, you know, yes. as the people that are like, outside United States, ideally he is not holding any immigration status as such with him. But if it is just for a short period of time, we, we are not recommending that for spouses to leave immediately. But in this case, it seems that we may not be able to come back any sooner. So in that case. Okay. Uh, there's another question coming in. Can you please talk about the F1 option of change in status wherein the school gives OPT from day one, thereby someone can work for the employer? Usually OPT, I'm not sure if OPT is even from day one. Usually what I know is CPT is given, which is a day one CPT. And if you want to change the status from H1 to F1, unless and until the change of status application is granted, you cannot start like going to the school and all that. That change of status needs to be approved first. And then only you will, because you have to acquire that F1 status first. And then you can start actually going to the college and all that. So I don't think he will be able to start his employment by that. Okay. Another question, and we've touched upon it, but again, I'm on H4 EAD, which is valid till 2025. If my spouse's H1 period crosses the 60-day period, Will my EAD become invalid? I would say yes, because as I said, the 60 days period is considered that uh, within the 60 days period, it is considered that the, the employee is maintaining its status. So if the principal H1B holder is maintaining that status only up to 60 days grace period, the H4 spouse will also be maintaining that status up to uh, 60 days grace period. And if, he, if she has the H4 EAD, she can or she will be able to work only up to that 60 days in a spirit. Because if the H1 principal holder is able to find a new employment, if the new employer is sponsoring for a name under H1B, then that is fine. But if it is not, then unfortunately, she will have to stop working after the 60 days in a spirit. Yeah, because H4 and H4 EAD are directly linked H1B yes. validity. So that's your answer. Sadly, that's how immigration works in the United States of America. Sadly, it hasn't changed in 30, 35 years and there needs to be a change. There needs to be a more modern system in place so that it's a more fair system. If you have any more questions for us, we'll gladly take them. Info at chook.com. Please send us your questions there. And this has brought us to the end of our discussion today. I really want to thank Attorney Kilker for taking out time today and being so meticulous with her answers and explaining in such great details, it's a it's a hard time. You know, 200,000 people, majority of whom are H-1B visa or, or other work visa holders. It's not an easy task for them to get a job in the current market scenario. If there's anything we can do to help you, guide you, suggest more options to you, feel free to reach out to us, info at chook.com. Until next time, this is Neha Mahajan signing off. Thank you for joining us again. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our work, please visit our websites at www.chook.com for legal and immigration and www.chook.net for tax. Be sure to subscribe to get regular business insights from the Chook LLP team. 